Hey, welcome to the show. It's Joey here. And in today's episode, Paul T and myself are talking about the things you need to consider when you're opening your own gym. Now, when you are setting out to open your own space, you tend to have your mind sort of fixed on the more sexy aspects of the whole deal. So you're thinking, what kind of awesome classes you're going to run, the sick music you're going to play, what kinds of people are going to be coming to your gym, the Christmas parties you're going to have, all that fun stuff. The things that you tend not to think so much about, at least if you're kind of you know, similar to what we were and are still like, you tend not to think about the the importance of the location relevant to, is council going to give you approval to set it up there? Do you need to have parking? Do you need to prepare a DA? Is it going to be easy to prepare? Or is it going to cost you lots of money? Uh, what kind of equipment package you're going to have and how you keep that sort of as lean as possible? Budgeting in general, so like not spending all of this cash that you don't really have before the doors have even opened. Um, we talk about dealing with landlords and real estate agents and really all of the little sort of rabbit holes within all of those processes, even marketing and, and putting a sign on the front of your place. Um, there's a great story there about where we didn't have a sign on our gym for like a year and a half because we're too fixed on all the other stuff. Anyway, it's a really handy episode and the beauty of it is, is that Tiora is going through that process right now with Jungle Ballina. And so we're able to sort of parallel everything that he's going through with all of the things that we did when we started our first gym down in Botany, the first Jungle Brothers, whatever that was, eight years ago, nine years ago. And it's really cool because we made a bunch of mistakes then and we don't make as many mistakes now. And so it's a really cool way just to be able to parallel that and see the growth, but also lay it all out so that if you are thinking of opening your own gym or really opening any kind of business that requires a physical space, you can go through this journey with us and you can take a bunch away from it. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Just a note that I wanted to mention our coaches intensive, which is our two-day coaching workshop where we teach you all of the essential skill sets you need to be a world-class coach and to build a successful PT business and also to join the Jungle Alliance if that's of interest to you. We're going to be launching one of those soon. We had one scheduled for August this year, but obviously we're in lockdown here in Sydney. Uh, we're looking at either sometime December or potentially early next year. I really want to get one in before the new year. But looking at the way that the end of the year is wrapping up, it may not be the case. So if you are interested in that, let me know. I'll add you to the short list and I'd like to get in touch just to make sure it's the right course for you. Junglebrothers.com, you can fill out the contact form there and that will go straight to me and then I can get in touch with you to have a chat about it. It's going to be epic. Uh, and like I said, I just want to know because I can hold your place for you. We already have a few people signed up and spots go pretty quick once we launch the thing. So in any case... Enjoy today's episode about the things you need to consider when opening your own gym. Should we do this thing? Let's do it. We, uh, we're live. We got T coming in via satellite from uh, the northern parts of the state, this, the epicenter of the anti-vax movement. Mate, how is how is not that? any vet, bro? It's fucking freedom. <laughs> That's my <right. laughs> how, how, well, How's the? How, I love Freedom Day. How good's Freedom Day? It's like it's like we've just busted out of an apartheid for the last hundred years. Yeah, freedom. Yeah, it's how I disconnected know. we are from the real world. We finally know how all of those people who are truly well. <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, you get paid to stay home for a couple of months and it's like yeah <laughs> viva la revolution <laughs> i know it's exceptional isn't it i feel like this freedom thing has really 
we've never spoken about that as Australians. It's not ever uh, like a, a thing we've, it's never been part of our narrative. It's such an American thing, but I feel like it's now crossed <laughs> over to it's part of our culture, this, this idea of freedom and my constitutional rights. First it was Halloween. <laughs> now it's Freedom Day. <laughs> and there was Black Friday. What's so next? Yeah. Oh, Black Friday. Yeah. But mate, actually, what is what is it like up there? Are you um, are you encountering a lot of folks that are like super vaccine hesitant or straight anti-vax, or do you not? No, uh, it's not as bad as what the media is kind of makes it out to be. Obviously, there's a lot of people that aren't vaccinated up here, but that's part partly because the vaccines were un, well, we underordered, and and then Sydney had the big breakout and just fucking swallowed everything up. Uh, so there's a lot of people up here, including myself, that's still waiting on their second vaccine or um, waiting to get va- their first vac- vaccination because they don't want to do the Astra, they want to do the Pfizer, all of that kind of jazz. So we're actually just lagging because it's been very difficult to get. Like I, I booked in to get my vaccine. It took six weeks before I could get my first booking and that was just for Astra, which no one wants to touch. And the only reason why... I, got it early because of the fact that no one wants, <laughs> no one wants it nando actually made a case for astrazeneca apparently showing to have much better performance than pfizer um recently they've discovered that remember he mentioned something about mm-hmm. that on the episode mm-hmm. we did with him mm-hmm. you got to get the third shot for pfizer now probably there's probably going to be a third booster uh, that's but- where it all begins bro then it's the fourth then it's the fifth then I'd, it's a barcode i'll take the straight microchip but yeah there is actually uh well when i drive back from when i drive from Mullumbimby back to to main arm i usually pick up a a a hitchhiker or two depending there's a campsite there called um uh called macca's campground and it's got some very interesting chaps in there and the topic of uh, vaccination always comes up and I've heard some rippers. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the last one was fucking awesome. Supposedly, all the birds that are flying around, that you oh. see flying around <laughs> your head, are actually drones. And when they land on PowerPoints, they're recharging. But huh. when they poo on you, if they poo on you, in their poo, there is nanobot. Wow. And that nanobot gets in the skin. And if you're vaccinated that nanobot will trigger, or, well, it's just another way of spreading the same nanobots. That will be eventually triggered by 5G. And the idea is that that will then terminate your existence? No, no, it's controlling mechanism. Right. So it, w- it was originally about cleaning the population, like just killing everyone, but because no one's died yet, the story's evolved into, no, no, it's not clearing, it's, it's control. So... You're probably actually getting controlled now. You just don't know it. You mean to say that I've got some kind of conditioning that's influencing how I behave? Mm-hmm. That's right. You see, it's funny, it's funny that this, this thing about freedom is like people pretend like they do everything in life on their own terms when they say that. It's like you're being like you obey rules constantly you obey the road rules you get your fucking pink slip you pay for car insurance you you know you do all these things because you're told to do it and you don't question it and you know the 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 really the big takeaway is that it tends to work kind of in your best favor most of the time 
because those things, whatever, keep you safe. And that allows the fucking medical system to not be overrun with car accidents and whatever the fuck. But it's, it's almost like people think that their whole life, they're just choosing to do exactly what they want. And then this is the first time that it's like, you know, the government can't tell me what to do. It's like, motherfucker, you've been doing what they've told you to do since day one. Since you signed that birth certificate. And it's a great life. Like you, you're fucking having a yeah. great time, right? There, there, there is a balance there where you, you, that we write that fine line where it's like how much of your, of your freedom and your, and your privacy do you hand over to a government um, to, to keep your individuality and your rights and how much uh, do you hold on to, you know? But you definitely 100% need to hand over a certain amount to live the safest potential existence you can live and have the most amount of freedom you can have through education and, you know, through uh, fucking social uh, uh, handouts and all that stuff, you know, and not having militias running around the streets, chopping and killing people with crop police, uh, allowing them to do so, you know. Nando, Nando put it to me in a very uh, clear context. I, I spoke to him after the podcast we did and he, um, it, was in, it, was, it was about a, a, someone who had written a letter to a politician and I shared it with Nando. I was like, what do you think of this? And it was all about freedoms and the ethics of, you know, coercion and whatnot. And um, Nando said, I would be okay if, if these people who are whatever, living in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and don't want to get the vaccine, he's like, that's fine. But look, the vaccine's 25 bucks. Um, a day in intensive care is like 10 grand. The respirator is like, whatever it is, 15 grand a day. He's like, if those people would be happy to say no to intensive care and no to a respirator, if, if and potentially when, the situation arose he's like then you're fine not to get the vaccine but he's like the financial trade like and it's it's purely from the point of privilege that you can say well this is what i want my freedoms because you know that if the shit comes crashing down the health system will look after you yeah well that's right it's privilege isn't that privilege. Paul, like, paul is like we weren't meant to go here guys no we're we talking weren't. about it <laughs> it's all about privilege bro all right, let's, let's rip into it. Today we're talking about the stuff that you need to consider when you're opening a gym. And it's a very, it's a very timely piece because, well, the three of us obviously opened the Jungle Brothers together, but Tiora is now split off to go up to Northern New South Wales and he's in the process of opening the second Jungle Alliance gym, Jungle Ballina. And T, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are trying to not make all the same mistakes that we made when we opened our gym? Yes, but I made one fatal error. You didn't take us with you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to do it all on my own. I didn't realize how little I did. <laughs> all this time I thought I was a linchpin. <laughs> it's like 10 pin bowling. And Joe's the left bumper and I'm the right bumper. <laughs> He's <laughs> the timer with the ball that's too heavy. Boy. Chances of a strike are high, <laughs> but it's a kid's ten pin when they put the the, yeah, the things in the lane to stop the ball us. from. Us. And I'm just going scoring, yeah, yeah, and I'm just scoring strikes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now I'm just getting gutter balls. <laughs> <laughs> what are you um what, go expand on that? What are you finding is like what what was it, what's been the biggest surprise in terms of like ah oh, fuck that stuff. Uh, look, I think um, uh, on a serious note, going into this, this uh, going into this, this third, this, it's a third, it's a third gym build for us, you know, 
um, third gym build from me up here. Uh, it is, uh, there, there's, there's not as many surprises now. Uh, and I think the, the biggest um, lesson I've taken from the first two gyms is that um, I know that things are never going to be how you plan them to be. And it's okay, you know, because generally um, you have a, a strategy and a plan and then you try to implement it. And as soon as it gets thrown out, you're like, oh, this wasn't supposed to happen. Fuck, you know, this is, this is potentially the end of, end, of the, end of the line for me, the end of the world. But in actual fact, it's not, you know, it's just hurdles that you may have, uh, may have um, not, not foreseen coming or that's something that you could never have uh, planned for but has popped up and, and you negotiate your way through it. Um, I think that's one of the, the biggest lessons. I think that just comes with experience, you know. Mm. But mm. like any startup or any new business, it's highly stressful. It's like highly frustrating and it's nerve wracking because all your money's in it and there's no money coming out and that's not going to be for a long time. And all you're watching is, is you, you just want, it's like pouring your money down a sink at the beginning. It feels quite stressed. Uh, yeah. It's even if you've got, and don't get me wrong. We did our PLs the profit and loss, we did a budget. Um, we're actually in a really good situation. We've got good, good um, negotiations with our landlord. Um, awesome um, team, everything's in place. And even though we know that this is the process that's gonna happen, you still can't control the way you feel, you know? And I was saying this to Pavel the other day, um, I, I'm constantly second guessing myself. So even though I'm making concise decisions where, where I'm feeling confident about everything, a minute later I'm going, I'm saying to myself, fuck, was that the right decision to make? And I'm rehashing it and rerunning it and thinking about other options. And yeah, it's pretty um, cons consuming, you know? Can you give us an example of one of those things at all that comes to mind? Um, the signage, what I'm going to, how I'm going, where I'm going to place. And it's, I mean, this is very, it's pretty textbook stuff. It's like, okay, I'm going to put a sign out the front of my gym and it's like, right, well, how big is it going to be? Where's it going to go? What's it going to say? Who's doing the font? Where are you going to make it? You know, how long is it going to take to get, to get built? Are people going to see it from the street? You know? Is it going to be the same as Jungle Botany? Is it going to be different? What's it going to say on the sign? How much information? Uh, and this stuff, like, you start to get, well, you have to get it right, for starters, to a point, because I've got to come and look at the fucking thing every time I come to work. And if I mess it up, it's going to be, like, shitting me. But also, this is the front of your house, you know? And it's like, okay, well, I've got to choose the right color combinations and and it's something that as simple as putting a sign up can consume your mind for, for days. Well, it's been <laughs> weeks now, actually, back and forth with Johan looking at um, how it's all going to be structured and we finally got our design ready to go up and how big it's going to be. And now I've got to go to the sign writer and go through that whole process again. And then I've got to rig it, you know? Did you ever think about employing the strategy that we used for that when we opened our first gym? 
in botany, which was just to not have a sign for like the first 18 months of operation. <laughs> because you know that everyone that's going past just intuitively understands that that's a Jungle Brothers gym. It's a gym. They it's don't gym. need a sign. And, and then when you do get a sign, make it out of, what did we make? We made it out of the banner stuff. I remember we stuck it onto a... <laughs> it was a vinyl. It was a, fucking, a vinyl sign, like a one that you would illegally strap onto a fence on the side of the highway. Yes. We like screwed it into a timber board and we reused one of those boxing bags. <laughs> we had those boxing mm. bag fucking mm. things. We're like, well, we've got to reuse this shit. We're going to save some money. And I mean, it lasted for a while and then it got wet and it fell to shit. God, it was terrible. <laughs> Plus the trailer that was on Botany Road. Oh, that was a sign, wasn't it? Yeah. We just spray painted the old gym owner's sign with like graffiti artists. There, just, there was a trailer that the, the original owners of the gym we bought together had, which was like, you know, had a big sign on it, like a big triangular kind of prism or like just a big triangle kind of sign. And it was, you know, whatever. It's fine. Had their name and phone number and shit. And we thought, let's just grab these cans of um, marker, marking paint, like road marking spray paint that were in the gym. And we'll just spray paint over that sign. And we spray paint, like we scribbled out their name and then we wrote like new owners. You know, we probably spelt it with a Z and shit <laughs> and kind of thought that, that that would appeal to folks. And I think it was such an eyesore that the council contacted us like two days later and like, you got to get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> the people of Botany felt that though. <laughs> yeah, they, they felt we us. real. We, yeah, we dropped in like... <laughs> yep. But okay, all right. So the, I mean, but that's really interesting you know, to think about at that time. Yeah. We just didn't think a sign was necessary. We've since learned a sign is super fucking necessary. Yeah. It's important. And, and not just a sign, but the fine. And I mean, we've done a whole podcast on, on design, you know. And luckily for me, I have access to all of that already, you know. So but I don't have to go through that process of finding a font that reflects personality of your business your gym mm -hmm. um taglines and and you know things that, that like ethos stuff and all of this all of the all the things that you put into your website it's all there for me um which has been fantastic and and also this structure that we're now putting together off the back of this gym that we can share with all of our lines um all of our allies our uh if you do choose to open a, uh, a jungle gym, then um, all of this information is, is there. We, we share it, you know? So right now we have a strategy. That strategy is where we spend the most amount of time. So you kind of think of it this way, the longer you can spend sharpening your ax, the quicker the cut. Because you know? as soon as you sign a piece of paper, it's on. No, I got mm -hmm. uh, actually it's before then it, it happened. The second I, I, I left botany and was jobless for five months. Now, mm -hmm. you know, you got money going and, nothing coming in. Yeah. Money's money's going out. Nothing's coming in. And over that time, you, you know, you have to have a budget for that. Um, and then on top of that, uh, if you're taking, if you're still working and trying to do this at the same time, that work's going to take energy and time away from you opening your business. So this ratio you have to get right. But really, the second you decide to open the doors and you take that first step, all of your energy should be funneled into 
this this one space. And it's like what we do with all of our projects. We focus on the one horse, make it a, a champion, a racehorse. Shouldn't use racehorse, maybe human, boxer. So make them a champion and then move on to the next, you know? So you're not spreading your energy thin. Like, for instance, building a, a, a second uh, dwelling on a 3.5 acre property when you've never worked a farm in your life, it would be really silly to do that at the same time as opening a gym and having a newborn baby in between that. That's a bit silly. You wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> and a second business that's super demanding. Yeah, and, and, the, and the opening of a, of, a, of, an, of a digital platform, chuck that on top, not a good idea. But um, <laughs> you definitely want to be focusing all your energy on the one, one, one horse, make it a champ, you know? So this strategy that we've put together, we put together in I'm Sydney. Sorry, together with, <laughs> <laughs> someone's got to take a hit. There's only 24 hours in a day, bro. Be the you're, you're the greenest one around. You've got the short straw, kid. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, yeah, we, have this, we have a strategy. And from that strategy, we create milestones. And these milestones written up on our whiteboard inside the gym. And those milestones um, consist of the big things like uh, getting a DA approved, signing a lease, open doors, and then breaking even kind of thing, you know, four big ones. And between those milestones, you have these action tasks that you're working on day by day in your face. And they're usually the shit stuff you don't want to focus, you don't, you don't want to put uh, time into, um, but they're there reminding you that you cannot move forward until these particular tasks are done. So these are these this this um, strategy and these milestones need to be built before you even choose to take that first step. And this is working for you as a template. And then you go out and you start to execute. Talk to us about. Um, let's talk about the location piece because obviously you've uh, you found a place and you you negotiated a lease. But but before you could negotiate a lease, you had to find the right place. And I, I suppose the tricky part with, I mean, at least in our experience from this place here, which T, you were largely most res responsible for finding this location in Botany. Um, you can never find that exactly the place you want. So you're always compromising on something like you are, you're certain things you're looking for that are non-negotiable you got to have. And then there's certain things that would be nice to have, but there's always curveballs thrown in there. What is it? How can, how can you kind of, when you look and you fucking open up domain.com or whatever, and you're looking at real estate, how do you go about this process of finding the right spot? Yeah, I think um, like if we, we look back at our move is a good example of how a space and Paul brings up the design of a space a lot, how the design of a space can, and can attract or repel a certain kind of person. Um, and it really is does come down to the design, like how what you put on the walls, equipment you purchase. But the other thing that I guess we probably overlooked um, is the size of the space, you know, relative to the business model that you're going to apply to it, also to the kind of person you're going to attract. Um, and I have a feeling, well, I know this for a fact, actually, when we moved from our small space into our big space, we lost members and we lost members because there's a certain kind of member that was just into what we did, you know, the training and the ethos and everything, but there's also a certain kind of member that 
didn't want to train in a big space. They liked that little space with smaller community, uh, more like little hidey hole places you could hang out. It was a more of a family kind of size space. You know, you cap it out at 100. And then we move into this space that's going to, you know, to get the same kind of feel, you need 300 members in there. And obviously that kind of membership base it has a different, it have a different feel, a different design. Humans interact in it differently, and it attracts a different kind of person. You know, so I think it's really important to know what, firstly, what the business model is that you're putting forward, and realistically, the smaller the space, the more you're going to charge, uh, because the place has to make a profit. Uh, what you don't want to do is be like, yeah, I want to, you know, supply everyone with a really cheap membership, and. Um, but I can only afford a really small place. And then you run your PL, your profit and loss, and you realize, okay, that's and profit and loss um, spreadsheets. We use uh, big tones. Tony have like a, should find out if we have some contact details for people because he's um, an absolute whiz uh, and worth the money spending on someone to be able to build a profit and loss. So you can run these scenarios before they actually open and rent is directly proportionate to the size, but also location. So you can be further out of town, have a big space, charge a little less, or you can be right in the thick of it. Space is going to shorten. You've got to charge more, you know, mm. at the end of the day, you need to be making, making money. Place needs to turn over as quickly as possible. You've got to hit break even as quickly as you can. And then once you settle, you can start to build, but we lost members from that small gym to the big gym and Coming up here, it was like, okay, well, where do I want to be? I know that Botany, it takes a lot of resources to run that space. It's a big space. You know what I mean? We've got 14 coaches full-time working out of the space. And realistically, if we were to look back and say, okay, well, let's say we had two coaches running at Bot uh, Pemberton Street. was 130 square. Mm. Uh, let's say if we had four coaches working out of there, what would that space look like today? Well, I guarantee it would have been making a profit. Yeah, much more than what we've made now, like in the pocket, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that the turnover, the profit margin could potentially be the same as in a big gym as it is in a little gym. And then you've got to ask yourself, okay, well, what, what kind of space do I want to work in, you know? Yeah. And personally for me, I don't want something that small because it feels claustrophobic. And I also think that the a bigger space attracts a, a better coach because they can move in there and they've got room to move and practice their disciplines, especially with, uh, with uh, a um, training systems like ours, where we promote free expression and, and um, different disciplines. Like you've got to have room for that. But I, I don't think I would be capable of taking on a space as big as botany um, and running that on my own, you know? So I'm fine looking for something in between i can still charge a premium membership for it um i, I still get a vibe still got lots of people coming in so i'm looking at around um you know around the 150 to 250 square is good for me you know sorry around the two 250 to 300 square max yeah that i think that um that was one of the the things we did do very well which was we when we started in a small space and then we waited until it was absolutely packed to the rafters before we upgraded to something bigger yeah i think we would have crashed and burned in dramatic fashion if we had gone big from the beginning hey yeah i think so i think uh the bigger the space the bigger the outlay the longer it takes to break even and if you've got the reserves if you've got the cash you know, you've got a rich uncle or something like that. 
back in you and, and you can do that. Um, that's great. You know, it's going to, it's going to possibly cost less in the long run than having to grow a business and then move that business because moves, moves cost. Um, but I think if you can find somewhere in between the two, that's the sweet spot, you know, where you've got a good location, decent amount of size, build that business into a place of profit. And then if instead of thinking about making that business bigger, potentially look at investing in another, you know, because now you've got this space where you've got good coaches and you can take one of your best coaches, say, right, look, um, let's open up two suburbs down and give you your own gym and, you can start, you've got the resources, you've got the coaches to do that. And looking back, like with the, with the small space, there were so many times there where in that first sort of, I guess it was the first 12 months where, you know, you'd, you'd show up in the morning to teach classes or whatever and no one would show up because we, you know, we only had, I don't know, 25, 30 members and whatever we're given, we're offering two classes a morning kind of thing. So maybe, maybe the 10 who are going to come through that day came through at the first class and second class is no one there if you were going and that's just a necessary part of owning a gym is that there are when you when you're starting from the beginning there's going to be days when people don't show up which obviously I, I think your ego takes a little bit of a hit or your pride takes a little bit of a hit but thinking about being in a huge space and like and people not showing up that would really hurt like emotionally because there's just so much fucking room and it's like this it's like an aircraft hangar <laughs> whereas down in that little gym you only needed one or two other people to be in there with you and it, there was a vibe there was there was energy and there was warmth and and i think that that you know that was a plus yeah i, I you know if i were to advise similar to what you're saying t for anyone that's, that's going to kind of follow that path be like go small and then like do your best to grow out of it that's you know it's yeah. ultimately going to be a more enjoyable experience and you, you're not going to have as many tough times yeah first time gym gym owner first first experience for sure you know it's just less to manage you can focus more on on what you do as a as a coach plus like generally the younger if you're a little bit younger you can you can fall on your butt you know and you can recover you know you got time but i think as you start to get um as you start to get older you just got less time you know like i'm 43 if this gym fails to have to open up another one, you know, that's, it takes that's years, you know, it's going to take five years before a, a decent gym really starts to, to pay back what you've put into it. And then another five years to, to capitalize on, on some, you know, start to really put some money away. Um, and, and if that doesn't work, if you don't get it right, then that's, you know, it can be a, a, you know, you got to try that. That's if, if you got to try that again, it could be up to up to fifteen years. You know, I mean, I'll still look the same age, but I'll definitely <laughs> not want to. <laughs> People will still want to train in my gym. Don't don't get me wrong. I won't be that old guy that no one wants to train with. <laughs> I look jacked like that guy. <laughs> oh, you won't be able to. <laughs> Talk to me about. Um, what about the space itself? And, you know, when, you, when you're looking at places, there's, you know, um, I can think of a few that come to mind. Every time I drive past, like a new development, say, uh, like I'm living in Balmain and there's these, you know, these little developments that go on. It's like apartments up top and nice shop fronts down the bottom. And you think, oh, look at that shop front. That's cool. Like 
big glass front. It's on a busy kind of strip, a lot of foot traffic. I remember like still it appeals to me. I'm like, oh, I can open a little gym in there. And then I'm like, stupid idea. But it's, the thought still pops into my mind. What are, what are you looking for in a space? Are you, talk, uh, you know, are we talking like, are you looking at office buildings or are you looking exclusively at factories or like warehouses? What's the vibe? Well, I was going to say, um, sorry to jump in T, but like, you know, with our small gym and how we grew out of it to come into this one, it, it also depends on um, where your practice focus is or where you want to head towards. And for us, was, you know, fighting was a big thing and Olympic lifting was, you know, you were doing a lot of it, you know, back then. And we needed a certain amount of room to expand uh, coming in with wanting to do jujitsu and have our own stock of people and, and get better at striking. You actually need stock for that. So I feel like, you know, our fighting and, and, and jits and stuff would never have happened if we stayed at a small space, even though, you know, the profit margin might have been really great by now if we stayed there. Um, but that's also kind of where we wanted to evolve in. Um, having the ropes here, have, uh, being able to rig straps up, being able to do locomotion became, you know, the, uh, the space, floor space, you know, always being our number one apparatus here because of the stuff that we like to do was a factor. So, yeah, I guess you just got to um, think about, yeah, how you want to go and what you want to actually do in it first. So you're saying like for us, a place with a low ceiling would never have been an option. No. And I, that's what I thought about when you thought about the shop front. Um, and I've seen them all the time. It looks clean. And I'm like, yeah, but. Like a concrete box. Like, ooh, yeah, I can't kick them. Yeah. And you can't lift overhead in, in yep. a lot of them, you know, which is. Yeah. And it, and. Yeah, it depends because like when I think about um, allies and upcomers, up and comers, like depending on where they're directing um, their their practice towards, whether it's dancing or freaking, I'm not sure what it is. Like, this shit. yeah, this shit. That it's like it's there's a culture around that they're going to want to build, and you know, a high ceiling might be for them, or they might want to have a great lean, a good space, a big garden, or something like that. And you know, those office blocks. Are, blocks they're never inspiring I, I don't find them ever really inspiring in the way that you can with somewhere that has a, you know an independent building and not to say that it can't work but no but know. it would yeah it would be less than ideal wouldn't it yeah it works for a particular model and and a style of training and a, and a target market you know it's like yeah 45 and body fits and whatever else it is that that style of training where you just get in and get the hell out yeah. Um, I remember actually when we came, when we made the decision to go into a bigger space, our, 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 we had, we were at a crossroads where we were like, okay, do we, do we open a second smaller gym? Cause it was going so well there in Pemberton it was going really well. Uh, or do we move into this bigger space? And because our direction was to create something that was inspiring to young coaches and to create this hub and, you know, have a, a podcast, move into the, the next phase and to be building um, this digital platform. We, we chose to go into the bigger space and stay together over that building, that building phase uh, and to create a place that can, can harbour more coaches and run uh, our coaches' development, which was just kicking off in the smaller gym. We needed the space, mm. a bigger space, because we wanted to create something bigger than just a, just a gym. Uh, and um, and it was a great decision that we made, but yeah, it was it definitely came with its um, with its hurdles, you know. 
that, that move almost sent us bankrupt a couple of times. <laughs> and I think that's a, that's an important point on across any of this is that there's, there's like an upside and a downside to every decision you'll make. And you just have to know well, what's more important. Like, are you trying to avoid that downside or do you really want that upside? And for us, it was like, well, we didn't, we didn't start this thing just to have this one little gym down in botany. We started this thing to create something that was bigger than us. So moving into the larger space for all those reasons you just mentioned were kind of at that time it was like, we have to do it. There's no other choice. I remember that conversation because, yeah. you know, I remember it being a little daunting. Yeah. Cause it was like, um, cause you're having fun as well in that year and the time and everything and it's running well and we're, we get to hang out a lot and train together and whatnot. And it was like, all stable. The, yeah, you're, yeah, you're stable. So then you, if you've got all the dreams and, you know, we visualize right ahead in 10 years time and then you're like, well, actually, if we want to get there. We actually have to go in deep here. You're like, oh, get out of that comfort zone. Warm in here though. Deep. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> Especially that toilet was real warm. Oh, wow. One little, toilet, little toilet block. The whole, what was it, 120 members in that space? One little and right in the middle of the gym with paper someone, thin walls. Yeah, that you're like you're like doing your business, and then there's someone like pumping push-ups like right next to the other side of the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you walk out of the door, and the whole class turns around and looks at you. They're like, "You just did a poo." <laughs> no extractor, and then you'd have to flush three times for the shit to go down because the flush didn't work properly. So you knew if someone flushed twice and done a poo, you were like dirty. <laughs> I never poo. That guy's. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was something special. So, uh, yeah, so obviously, you know, and I mean, I asked that question with the, trying to sound naive, but of course, you know, we require a space like this. What are the downsides then? Just like one of the downsides we had to accept, and I'm sure T, you've had to accept with your place in Ballina, is if you're going for the joint that's like more industrial, more of warehouse kind of vibe with the roof height and the space, uh, you probably aren't going to get as much passing by traffic or foot traffic as you would like? No. So then you need, you need, you need a strong, a strong marketing strategy. Uh, I mean, the great thing about today is that the visibility of your business is, is actually not as important, like, like physical visibility of your business. Like it used to be back in the day before, you know, social media and Google, um, now your visibility online is the most important thing. I do believe, I mean, you guys know more about that, but I'm finding that this is where I'm spending a lot of my headspace right now and leaning on you guys a lot. Um, again, this is part of our, uh, our, our strategy, our strategy, our opening gym strategy, um, building website, setting up the marketing, uh, sorry, the, um, our, our social media sites, getting the right footage, content. Uh, this is the stuff that's generally going to get you visible. I guess um, Absolutely. you and Paul can talk more about that. Well, yeah, I think um, there's a couple of facets to it, but yeah, obviously the social media part's huge. So being active on, you know, whatever platform your audience, like the people that you want to train at your gym, you need to be on the platform that, that they're on. So for us in our time in, in this place, it's really been Instagram largely. In the early days, it was Facebook, but Facebook's kind of been declining and Instagram has taken up more space. But then also now you've got things like TikTok and whatnot that are coming up that, you know, in truth, 
if you really wanted to, to maximize your effect on social media, you'd be doing that as well. Um, the other side of the social media piece is having your website and your SEO dialed in because, mm. and, and we didn't know this for a long time until we got help with it, which I mean, thank God we did. And thank God we've been- And SEO stands for? Search engine optimization. So it, it's funny, but conceptually, if you think about it, everything like a person's whole experience on the internet is generally occurring through Google, unless they're on an app like Facebook or something, their internet experience is happening through Google. So when someone wants to find something, they type it into the Google search bar. So what that means is that Google is the, the, the premier authority on how the internet is organized and what information is presented to you relevant to what you're looking for. Bastards, they have so much power right now. Yeah, so much. And so like if your website, if you've got a really poorly built website and you haven't considered the fundamentals of SEO, you know, which is like keywords and blogging and fucking page structure and simple stuff really, but stuff, if you haven't considered any of that, then Google automatically lowers the rank of your website. And when someone then searches for an issue strength gym or movement gym near me, and they're like standing next door to jungle Ballina, Google doesn't tell them that, Hey, next door, there's a really good gym for you because it thinks your website's a piece of shit. So it, it downgrades your business on the flip side. If you've got a great website, you know, it's got good functionality. The pages have been planned correctly and it's got all the keywords in there and it's informative and Google's like, Oh, I really understand what that is. And I trust that business. So when someone searches, they're like, hey, go check out Jungle Ballina. And it's like, it's simple stuff. But I, I would say for most of us, most of the people listening to this, when you're opening your gym, it's kind of, unless you are a computer person already, and unless you are educated in that realm of search engine optimization, it's probably the fucking last thing you're thinking about. Mm, totally. Um, I'd add as well, um, like all of that stuff, um, needs even before that and understanding all that would be um, figuring out your target market and doing the real hard work uh, figuring out you know what area you're in what are you offering and who do you want to be like what we call our avatar and figuring out who's our ideal client etc um, and because all the content and the marketing uh, needs to be trying to channel towards speaking to that very specific person um, understanding all the algorithms and how social media works helps you to get connected with those people, but you got to know who that person is first. And you know, that in itself is a really, really tricky thing, especially for a young gym owner. Cause usually you just want everyone. Yeah. I just want anyone. Or an old one. Yeah. What's your, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or an old one, you know, but mm. trying to be something to everyone doesn't help you on Google necessarily. Um, the other bit what I was going to add was uh, your branding. And when you're talking signage and the right this and the right that is working on your branding. And this goes back to the avatar and figuring out who you want to talk to. Um, and you want to be designing that to appeal to that person or to be sending the right message of your business. What's your mission statement? What are you trying to achieve? How are you unique? And that needs to be done really well. And in your case, T, uh, saying you're working with Johan, like uh, we're really lucky there because we built up a really good relationship with a designer and, uh, you know, finding one is really one. a really good one. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to find a good one and you can be great at design, but shitty at sitting down and understanding what the business owner is trying to achieve as well. Finding a you know, really good one is, is hard. And um, I guess 
engaging with one of those to help you make brand guidelines is great um, because someone like Johan, Joe Mappy, at Joe Mappy, I at think Joe, it is. Something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, he's a fucking whiz. He's our boy. <laughs> he's he's on Instagram. Correct. And um, he can, you know, some, someone good in that, that field can guide you in areas like you, you that just ask you questions about it that you, you wouldn't actually think of because, you know, yeah, he's been great. I've been working with him over the last week or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's very patient. He's been very patient with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. That was a favour from us. <laughs> <laughs> Johan, be patient. Here's a cautionary tale for you on that, on that, that uh, same topic. When we were in our small gym many, many moons ago, uh, we put a marketing a campaign out to the Wounded Warrior. <laughs> not really knowing what the uh, adverse effects of that would be. And no, we just got sw- <laughs> no. swamped with like, we put it out. It was the broken was man. Broken man. Oh gosh. Not off the back of the red Latin thing. Yeah. It was the broken man program. T your suggestion was, I think we should call it wounded warrior. And I was like, I think broken man. And you, <laughs> Paul, you were like, yeah, broken man. And T's like, yeah, whatever. Fine. And then afterwards we're like, <laughs> We're like, oh, that was the worst fucking name for campaign. Because <laughs> what? Who came into the gym? Oh, dude, we just had like you, mostly men between the age of like thirty-five and fifty-five that had some some kind of glory day at some point, but just didn't even want to train. Just wanted to come in and have a whinge. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They were broken men. Oh, just having a whinge. None, none of them signed up. They just ca- just came in and let them know oh, that they sucked up an hour. Know, they could relate to the, you know, to the <laughs> the marketing. Oh, dude, that, that might was. Be people are looking for. Well, I mean, that's right. If you are looking for that, then spirit breaking. You can use our campaign name because we're probably not going to use it again. But what you put out there <laughs> is so important, and and you know, I mean. Everyone knows that marketing and advertising, it's freaking billion dollar industry. And what three words you put at the top of your freaking billboard really, and the colors that you choose can channel completely different audiences if you don't get it right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think like- When outcomes for yourself. Yeah, understanding that stuff to a basic level is so empowering. The same as understanding SEO or understanding- how to build your gym, like how to get on the tools and make shit happen mm. or how to um, run a fucking social event. Like we, I think we could all agree that we see having a basic understanding of all of these things is essential because without it, you're then having to go and employ an expert and they're paying, they're charging you big bucks, which are bucks you don't have when you're starting off. So if you can have someone like a Johan, um, for marketing, we've always had people. We've got like John Marsh, who's really handy for us. You can check out John Marsh's stuff if you need ideas. He's got an amazing Instagram account. But um, having those people that you can ask, and they in one conversation, they can reframe how you think about it. And you're like, holy shit, I was doing it all wrong. I was staring at this little thing the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm yeah. going to say as well, uh, with the, the marketing stuff, not to throw out any, like you're talking about signage physical signage as well like um every and i'm trying to think outside of our gym and your gym but someone could be opening a gym in somewhere rural or in what you really want to do is you want to analyze you know what you need and what your audience is and where you are and how people receive information in the area yes most people receive it 
um, over um, their phones, the smartphones and whatnot. But um, you want to have a strategy for online and offline options as well. And it might be really effective in your area to do other more, um, you know, analog campaigns, fly drops and signage and yes. stuff like that. Mullumbimby, Rainbow Times, newspaper, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, and, it, and it's all about testing as well. So you got to put that out and, and see what it, how it, so it know, brings back. Is. Yep. And then make adjustments. And you can, you can um, find a, a good ch- channel that's producing leads for you and working really well. And then it just dries up mm. and then you're like, Oh shit, I'm going to try that same thing I did last year at this point at this time with the same, same message, same everything. And then all of a sudden it just doesn't work. And then you, it's, it's just never ending. Isn't it really just trial and error, trial and error, find something that works, work on that. But it's hard to, to be working in that headspace. And I think it can be filled with a lot of traps where you're like, okay, do I try this new marketing campaign? It doesn't sit with me. You know, I don't want to use emojis and I'm not in, you know, I don't want to talk about body fat percentage and that kind of, see Scotty, I don't want to talk about, you know, dropping, dropping fat and all this kind of stuff uh, because it doesn't sit with my ethos. But, but then at the same time, you're like, fuck, I need people in my gym and this is proven to work. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a fine, it's a fine line, isn't it? We've so done that before. Said. Yeah. It really is a fine line. But we've done that before in terms of like um, making a conscious decision to take an angle on a campaign. Cause, cause you know, our gym, it, like we know that um, physical training is what people gets people in the door, but what they get inside of here is much more and often physical training is not the thing that keeps them here. So we've made campaigns where we're like, we know it's this thing, but we know once we get them through the door, we'll be able to show them the rest of it type of thing. So yeah, like it's, it's, a, it's a good point to make um, with marketing. We've also yeah. never had great responses from those things though. It's true. No. Whenever we've gone like, all right, let's do a weight loss challenge or, you know, let's do a fucking thing. That's like, let's, you know, as we see it, let's lower our standard to talk more on that level that all the other gyms do. And every time we do it, it backfires. You know, you get some people. Yeah, we pretty much stopped. So I think about what has worked well for us. And I, for us, it's really been, it's been a long game, but it's being ourselves. Having the podcast, yeah. Yeah. having the Instagram, telling the stories consistently sure. and leading from the front. So people are like, fuck, they're doing something different over there. Even if it like, and I wouldn't necessarily advise this to to another person kicking off, but like, for us, it's almost been the case of, I think the public looks at like, I don't really know what's going on there, mm. but the place seems fucking cool. I want to check it out. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's probably true. That is true, what you say. Um, but then that's specific to living, you know, I call this affluent Sydney. Um, and if you were to go to a different place where people are not as educated or open-minded to this type of training they've been exposed to lots of different stuff maybe the time's up for the hit training scene etc like then you know they're more open to coming to here but say you were in i don't know somewhere where they didn't necessarily understand ballina somewhere where, yeah maybe <laughs> ballina where that, that's a trigger for them that's uh, where my new gym is by the way so there you go um it might it might work it might work to get people through the door no, so, yeah, yeah, I think um, I think you got to stick to your to your values. 
I really do, you know. And and the, within your values, there are certain things that, you know, like getting lean and getting strong. Um, that's something that we love doing. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, like punting that. Um, but I think if it was like, you know, okay, toning up and losing weight, that it's very, you know, you're kind of saying a similar thing, but one thing is talking to the people that you want. One's talking to the people oh. for me that, that, that have a different yeah. value to me, you know, um, when it comes to delivering. You definitely What's that? No, I don't want to sell out. You don't want to sell out. Like subtly, like how you, how you frame your campaign. Yeah. But what it's interesting. Um, oh, sorry. After, after no, no, you. you go, you go. Well, that, that it's this same, what Paul's talking about, about seeing who's in your area and how you target your, the market, find the people that you want in your gym. Everything that I had, all the research that I had, that I had done prior to coming up was on Mullumbimby, Bilnadjul, Ocean Shores. These areas are like in the center of the Byron Shire. Um, and now I'm opening a gym in a, in a completely different LGA. It's uh, Ballina and it's a completely different, it is a very different vibe. It's like night and day. Ballina was, this is going back to the vaccination rate, Ballina has the highest, one of the highest vaccination rates in New South Wales. Uh, Mullum has one of the lowest. Wow. You know what I mean? And this is what, and, and with that, there's a, there's a different, kind of, different kind of human here. But I know that our training and our, our, our ethos and our philosophy and the way we work can be applied anywhere. doesn't matter what town it is. It can be anywhere in the whole entire world. And you just got to find your people. Um, I know they're here in Ballina for sure. And there's probably people who could travel from a couple of other towns away. But the, the style of the gym, it's, it's not going to be the same. Mm. I'm going to have a bamboo rig and breath work, you know, which I would definitely be doing in, in, um, in Mullum, you know, but here it's got to be a little cleaner, you know, um, now that I'm bolting onto this, uh, climbing gym, that's going to have a $2 million kit out. I need to make sure that this, the, the, the kit that I have in here, I've got to spend a little bit more just so it balances out. Um, mm. And and then the, the message is just slightly just slightly different, you know. Uh, the look is slightly different, but I'm adapting to the environment that I've come into, and I've had to pivot, you know. And then again, it's like, okay, well, I can't fill my gym with just a bunch of uh, secondhand equipment and get super super lean. I have to have a little bit more. Um, I've got to spend a little bit more, and then my P and L starts to shift again. And now it's like, okay, budget budgets moved you know and now that pushes out my break-even date even more a couple of months further before i start seeing any money coming in and this is these are the curveballs that you just you can't see coming you know yeah. but it was it's very difficult to get a space in the area that i wanted um because covid has pushed so many people out of the cities that they're just grabbing whatever locations they can and they're paying, paying premium dollar for it. And the people that are moving out, the ones that can afford it. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to start my business and I need a micro business, whatever it is. And I need a, I need a, somewhere to store my shit or to build that business. And as soon as something pops up, they jump on it. And a gym is, make no mistake, is a high risk investment. So when you're dealing with a landlord and they've got someone who's 
uh, just going to be using the space for storage and it's a, it's an established business and it, and they can show people on paper, okay, this business turned over this much money forever and whatever. And then you come in as a gym, generally you're, unless you have a very tight um, business plan and, and uh, some kind of established, you know, backing or whatever it is, um, you're going to come up second best, you know, you're not going to get the location generally. You gotta, you gotta fight a little harder for it, you know. Or you gotta know the guy who owns the property. Or you gotta know the guy who owns the property, <laughs> which came in really handy, which was very strange and quite surreal, but uh, an amazing help for us. Uh, and then you gotta open next to a climbing gym that's uh, where the council goes. Okay, we need one of them in the in the in the uh, in the in the shire in the book Bell in the shire. So that was a huge help for me as well, you know. So these hurdles, yeah, they're, uh, I think a lot of people overlook how difficult it is to get, firstly, a DA approval, to, unless you're taking over a space that was already a gym. Um, DA is a development application. And if you go into a space that wasn't a business, an operating business, that you're, if you want to change the operations of that business, you have to apply to council and say, okay, I'm going to turn this um, motor mechanic uh, space into a gym and with that takes money oh, you gotta get drafts written up you gotta have a you gotta you gotta you gotta have the right specs so you gotta tick all the boxes that council want for a gym and then you have to have uh, a little bit of time up your sleeve because it can take a long time to get a da approved sometimes months you know and on that, I was the DA piece is is a is worth digging into because it can be such a it can be such a big hurdle when you're doing it. And I think the trickiest part about it is that the DA is generally something you it takes time to get it approved. But then at the same time, the landlord, the person who owns your property, they generally want you to sign a lease immediately. And so you're playing this game of trying to get them getting the landlord to ease off until you get the DA through but you also want them to hold the property for you. So it's like, well, fuck, council can't move any quicker. I really want this place. But because the worst thing that could happen is you sign a lease for three years and then two months later, the council writes back and says your DA was not approved and you can't be, you know, you don't have permission to change it to a gym, which would be fucked. I'm sure that's happened many times before and people get pressured into opening anyway, yeah. assuming, oh, fuck, it's, it's just got to come through. Yeah, that's right. The, the uh, shit thing to have on your shoulders as well, like knowing that you're operating illegally. Yes. Mate, stressful. As. What's your, have you had to pay to get your DA done this time around, T? Um, yeah, and I've used a town planner and I would advise to, like if you're in an area that you're not familiar with, if you need to just get that DA, um, yeah, you, if you have to put a DA forward, um, I would highly advise if you've got, um, if it, I would highly advise using a town planner. It just, um, they, they get things through council quicker. They know people in council. Um, they, they, they know exactly what they need to put into it. And they'll also turn around and say, look, you're never going to get a DA for this, this area. Go look somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And in that, in that case, then you'd be probably better off 
looking elsewhere unless there's a space that you look at and you're like, I can't, I can't walk away from this space. It has to be my gym and then you fight for it. So generally what you're looking at with a DA is that you get a whole bunch of boxes where they say, okay, you're opening a gym. Um, you have to have these specs and these specs and these specs, the big one for the gym. And the only real hurdle, which we've, we've come across three times now is parking. And this is where most um, DAs will fall through because gyms generally take a lot of people through that space um, and they take up a lot of parking on the street and up here. And I know it's the same in Sydney uh, per every hundred square meters, you need five car spaces. So for a 200 square um, say warehouse space, you need 10 car spaces and these, these locations just don't exist. You know, yeah. like if you're, if you're getting a 200 square, um, there's no way whoever owns a 200 square meter space is going to have, you know, 500 square of parking next to it. That's ridiculous. Like they're just going to have four more warehouses where they have two parks for each, where they all just put people in that don't need uh, five car spaces per hundred square meters, like a storage facility or something like that. You know, the other side so, of that DA, sorry to cut you off, but the other side of that DA piece that I think stitches people up and you haven't, you probably haven't had to deal with it there, nor did we here, but it's with noise pollution. Uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the beauty of going to an industrial or commercial area is that it's not an issue because it's industrial commercial. There's not many houses around, but if you are in a place that's like bordering a residential area, you could totally get knocked back because they also see gyms as making a fuckload of noise and that disrupts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Noise is a big one too. Um, I think, um, yeah, when you, when you, when you look at these boxes that you need to tick, you don't necessarily have to tick them all. And this is what I think a lot of people don't realize. Everything is disputable, but you have to come to the council with a good argument. And Joe had to do that for botany when we needed, I think it was probably, they were looking at, I think it was 15 car spaces. We had the equivalent of like six. Um, but when you put forward our proposal, uh, tell us about what you did to dispute the fact that we had to get that we didn't have that extra 10 car spaces on, on location. There's a few options. Yeah. So it was two parts. One was I measured the distance from the gym to the main road where the bus stop is. And that was within a certain distance, which, which, which relieves the, the, the standard of having to have so many parking spaces because you are within a certain proximity to public transport, meaning people don't have to drive to your gym. The other part of it was, is that most of the busy periods here are in the morning or in the night. And uh, I came and researched the area. I think you, one of you guys did on one end of the day. Uh, we did it a couple of times just to be sure, but we came in and took photographs of the available parking spots on the street in the morning. Traffic report. Yeah. And then we just sent those photos to them. We, we put that in our DA. So we, you know, I prepared the one for, for here, which was cool. It saved us some money. Um, but, the, but it was like, these are all the parking spaces that are available on the street. Our, our gym is busy at these times is the reports from our, our client relationship management software that shows that they're the busy times. And here's our timetable. 
So the way it worked out was that the busy period on the street was actually during the middle of the day when we're not, when we don't have a lot of people here. Um, thankfully they were cool with that, but I suppose they potentially could have easily just have, have knocked it back or not been cool with it if they wanted to. Yeah. Well, I think we also put in, we showed them where the vicinity of most of our members were and they were all within walking and riding distance. Uh, we said that we were putting bike racks out the front and we always promote individuals to stay, uh, to come by foot and to ride their bicycles. So just all of that stuff accumulated and added, added up can make a difference. Um, yeah, it, the, uh, I had something to say on matter I've forgotten, but yeah, it's, um, it's a tricky one because you've taken the rent on or the lease and you, you're still waiting for this DA to, to pass, you know. I think the good thing about a town planner is that they can look and say, okay, you know, there's a 90% chance you're going to get it or 70 or 60 or whatever. And then at that point, you've got to take a, take a plunge or take a risk, you know. And that's, that's what I did here. What, roughly what did you have to spend on the town planner? Um, I think it's going to cost about 1500 for, for the town planner to actually put forward the proposal, but then you have to get drafts drawn up for the gym. Uh, you can do this yourself if you want to, but it's always more professional coming from a draftsman and they, that can get expensive. Um, if you, at this point, and this is something that I'll always do is just ask for help wherever you can. And just get as many favors as you can from whoever you can so you're not spending huge amounts of money on stuff you don't need to. And I think sometimes, especially when you're dealing with, you know, young gym owners, again, you know, that are very proud about the way they hold themselves and you want to get out there and you want to do it on your own and you want to prove to the world that you, that you can do it yourself. But in actual fact, that's just your ego getting in the way of you being successful. At the end of the day, if there is someone there that is next to you that's like, I want to help you succeed, then you take the help. In yeah. fact, you just go out asking for it. Ask people for money. Ask people for their skill set. Ask people to, to, for their advice. Lean on every single person around you, every resource you have to help you get over the line. Because once you do, you can give back to that person tenfold, you know? repay the money with, 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 a, with interest. You can have a space for them to train in. You know, you can give them the um, satisfaction of them knowing that they've helped you succeed, you know, and then you, and, uh, you know, and maybe all they want in return is recognition for helping you out and a thank you and a cuddle and, and you know, and all of that. So it really is, has been the thing that's been the, the most important tool for us the three of us and even now are the people that are around us that have supported us with our with our um with our growth and i think if you're not leaning on the people next to you if you're not surrounding yourself with the right people asking for the favors know that the competition that you're going up against is and it's one person versus five or one versus person versus ten or one versus twenty and with you know a shitload of cash behind them uh, you, so you, 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 if you want your space to be successful, then you have to be comfortable to ask for help, you know? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great tip. Uh, you've, you've always been exceptional at that. And I, I, I think, um, yeah, it's just proven itself oh. time and time again with JB's how many of the people have 
come up at different times to help us. And it's like, you know, every part of our gym has, has, has had the contribution of someone who trains in here at some point, hasn't it? Yeah. I would say it wouldn't be what it, what it is today without them. Like, and not just the help, but the investment that everyone's had has made the, the place what it is in terms of like emotional connections and relationships that everyone has. You know what I mean? Like if we could have done it all ourselves, we had whatever the money, the resources to build it exactly how it is now. It wouldn't be the same. That's right. Cause it doesn't actually have that weaved into it. But yeah, really great point. And I know I was that young guy, not necessarily in the gym owning business, but I was just generally someone who didn't ask for help. And it's, it's changed my life actually. Um, yeah. Being able to do that. It's the ego. It's built in. I, I had a, um, just as a contrast, there's some mates of ours that own a gym in Sydney who had, they were in an industrial area, like in a commercial piece of real estate, um, but they had big problems with their DA and their gym was already open and they had all this pushback because bordering the industrial park that they were on were houses. And uh, they, had to in, they had to pay, I think it ended up costing them about 24 grand to get their DA done because they had to get professional uh, noise pollution oh. tests done. So they had to have a third party agency come in, put up this apparatus, apparatus and measure the noise output from the gym for like a fucking two month period or something and then prepare a report and include that in the DA. And I think they had to have some other, some, like, some other reports done that all went into it. It was a real nightmare for them and it's resulted in them being a bit restricted about what they can and can't do from their space, um, which is just, I think it's very relevant. If you're looking at a space, it's really relevant to think about that because maybe the location is more important, like maybe being in a particular spot is so important to you strategically that you're happy to compromise on some things, but maybe it's not. And you're like, you know what? I don't want fucking any of this heat. I'm going to go somewhere, that's, uh, you know, a lot more comfortable for me to set up. Yeah. And that, that if you can have that conversation with the town planner early, early within like within the space of negotiations with your landlord, then they'll be able to give you, to, to, to be able to tell you that, you know, this is how much it's going to cost you to open your gym here. You literally, you can do whatever you want anywhere. If you've got the money, if you got the money. You got the money. Yeah. We're assuming that most people don't have endless amounts of it. It's you know we definitely no. we've always done it on a shoestring and it's worked well for us. But I, you know, you're walking into some you see some of these new new like like spot like a, a new space that's opened up in town or in the city or whatever, and you can see that someone's had access to a shitload of funds. You know, like you know, we're talking like ten, twenty million to dump into a gym. And you walk in, it's fuck shit. No vibe. There's no real love in the in the build. It's just it's all outsourced. And yeah, you know, a lot of those spaces, yeah, they have the target market and that, but a lot of them don't actually survive. You know? Yeah. There's there's no one with passion behind the build. So you know, if you own a space, I would also be very real. I wouldn't don't outsource to everyone. Like just do it to the people where, 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 where your weak points are, but make sure you're working with them on a personal level. And then when the build starts and the, and the layout and, and the, 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 the equipment purchases and the signage and all of that, just be a part of that, you know, that's your house. 
And when people walk in and they see that you've made an effort, that's what matters. You know, you don't, you, you've spent a, you spent a fraction of that kind of money and people will come walk into your space and go, this is fucking sick. You know, this is cutting edge. This is, I've never seen anything like this before. And you know, you can spend, you can, you can accomplish that response and spend $10,000 on your kid out. Yeah. Well, this brings me to my next question. And I suppose kind of the last sort of topic on this, um, on today's chat, but that's the, the equipment, uh, the equipment and the budgeting piece, which is like, okay, you've looked at this joint, you know, you've got this big room that you've got to fill. You've probably got all these hopes and dreams about what you want in there. How do you draw a line um, between have, you're having the, the essentials versus blowing a bunch of money on shit you don't need? Um, and yeah, how do, you, how do you make those decisions? You're going uh, to- I sat down with Paul. Yeah, we had to, remember we looked through my P&L? Yep. So I looked oh, through the my ones, P&L with, yeah, with yeah, Paul. Yep. Yeah. Before, before I moved up. And oh, uh, yeah. Tony brought down the, the reign of reality where I had like everything in there from fuck my, every like, like rollers and balls and or everything that we've got in botany, you know, TVs and, you know, iPads and shit, everything. And, um, and my gym was going to break even in like three years or so. <laughs> something ridiculous like that. And I called up Paul and I was like, bro, uh, we need to, I need to, can you look at this for me? Because it's looking like it's pushing my, like, I can't, I can't keep myself afloat for, for this long, you know? Mm. So we went, we just went through it all. Like each one going, okay, do we really, do you need this? You know, yeah. do you really need this when the doors open or can it come later on down the track? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one Sorry. and um, it really does help if you have, if you don't have someone, most people won't have someone in the business that um, has a financial, you might, has a financial background, knows how to run a budget, knows how to run a forecast. If you can't, you, you really need to get someone that knows how to, to do that because as someone who's in the business passionate about wanting to do it, you're just immediately biased and, and you're just going to want to fashion everything to make it work and you're just going to not ask yourself the hard questions. So getting advice from someone is probably and someone to, to take you through it. And again, as T said, like whether you pay someone or you ask a friend, look to your family members and friends who are business owners, get advice from them. Maybe they can help you or give you a spreadsheet. Well, Jungle Alliance will have these, these resources for you. Um, then, you know, it's a really great place to start, but, um, um, yeah, it, it's really, you want to have this as early as, as you have T. Um, and as you said about yeah. the ax, um, getting that fine tip right down to the, to the dollar, um, and you know, budgets are never static things either. Um, so in making your budget for first opening your gym, you have to consider, um, you know, when your break even point is and what market you might be fishing for in the first three months, six months, cause it's going to be potentially different in 12. So what you're going to invest in for equipment um, is, is going to be affected by the answers to all those questions all put together. Um, so, you know, there's essentials in there that you can get people training and doing body weight and go really lean, or maybe your business is built around the fact that you're an Olympic lifter 
Um, so you actually have to have these, you know, you have to have plates and a few uh, yeah. racks and whatnot. You touched on it before when you said that, that floor space for us has always been our best apparatus. And mm. I think that for, you know, for most folks who are in this realm, like even if you are more biased towards, you know, lifting barbells or, you know, the fight stuff, whatever, space is still the greatest thing you can have floor yeah. space because you can customize it, you know, moment to moment. Um, but also the other thing that that's, I think really nice about starting lean with a small kit. And we did this when we, when we started with our first gym, we they had a bunch of shit. We threw most of it out and we just had some kettlebells and a few barbells and a pull up bar, you know, pull up rig, whatever. But the beauty is, is that it allows you to evolve the space and add to it kind of gradually over time. So you go, Oh fuck, you know what would be really cool? We could extend the pull-up bar and, oh, let's do that. And then you're like, shit, you know, we don't have quite enough barbells. All right, let's, let's buy one more barbell and a couple of plates. And you just, you, you're kind of running lean, you're making it work, but you're only spending money on the things that you know you need. Mm. Whereas if you went in hot and like, I want 10 fucking barbells and I want 10 squat racks and I want, you know, six rowing machines, man, you only got fucking two members for the first little while. You don't need six rowing machines. Like, mm. And it's just very easy to let your assumptions run away with this. And it's a, it's a big spend, right, at that point in the game. Yeah, or you end up spending on equipment that, someone's, that, that no, one, no one uses. Because, again, going back to your target market and, you know, all of a sudden you've got, going back to the rowing machines, four rowing machines that just never get to put in the programming for whatever reason it is. And then you're like, shit, you know, I've just spent however much money on something that's just sitting there gathering dust, you know? Yeah. We've, I've kind of worked around the process of getting like a, a one, the, the, what the centerpiece, you know, that one kind of eye-catching piece that's going to get used for everything and that's generally your rig. Um, how you manage to rig that and express self-express with that piece of equipment I think is really important color-wise and how you how how you can get make that thing look like a point of difference. Uh, the flooring, what you're saying before, how important that is. It's the other thing, like it's not just the most important; it's actually the most expensive piece of equipment you got in the gym. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. You're you're paying rent indefinitely for that floor space. But if you're just going to cover it up with fuck shitloads of equipment that just has to be stored for most of the time, and you're shrinking the amount of space you have to fill your gym with members this is this is problematic or even when you start splitting floor spaces like we've got a soft mat that we're running over a concrete block but we've only got so 200 square of rubber and we've got this other space that's kind of concrete slash rubber now i've now i've limited the amount of space that we can lift on like this so so when we do lift in in this space 100 square meters of it is going to be unusable for that particular class, you know? So these things you gotta, gotta take into consideration, you know? You wanna try and split your space in two, with two different floor compounds, or um, if the gym does start to pump, can you extend that rubber matting and, you know, get rid of the concrete flooring if you're happy with that? And, um, and then the kit with the, the stuff that you purchase, I would highly advise that everything you get is geared up for the beginner because that is where your income comes from. It's not, it's not the high end athletes uh, that come through the front door that are going to make you money. 
uh, they're going to pay bills. It's the person that comes in who's injured, carrying a little bit of body fat, wants to make some change in their life, and then stays with you for the next seven years of your gym's um, life. And they're completely loyal to your space. And they're probably never going to be some, uh, you know, amazing, um, like, practitioner on, a, on parallel bars or anything like that. Um, but that person needs to be catered for first. I firmly believe that because that's the foundation of your gym. And then after you can start, you know, getting stuff that's a little bit more specialized for, you know, more advanced uh, movers, you know. Yeah. I think there's a real, um, a real desire when you, when you're starting out with it to show your prowess as a coach through your equipment. I know it's, it's definitely a part of the strength and conditioning world, but it's like, we've got multiple different types of barbells here and a camber bar and a trap bar. And we've got this squat rack with these cool features for, you know, and it's like, none of that shit matters. You just need like a fucking barbell that plates go on and, you know, something that the the bar can sit in. Um, And a lot of that stuff just gathers dust, you know? Yeah, it does. I mean, obviously, unless that's totally your bread and butter and that's all you do. But if you're looking at a place that's catering for small groups, you don't really want any equipment that can't be utilized in a class. And if you've only got yeah. one something or even three of something, how do you incorporate that in a class where there's 18, 20, 24 people training? Yeah. Yeah. So right now we've got kettlebells, which are just the ultimate tool, take up such a small amount of a small footprint and you can use them for anything. Yeah. Um, we've got boxes, we've got steps and we'll get barbells, plates. And that's generally it. And then you, you're, when you say rig, you're talking like your pull-up rig, which is allowing you to hang rings and stuff? Yeah, pull-up rig. And I think, you know, equipment is, uh, is also like, you know, we talk about it, it is, it it's comes back to design again. It, it, the whole gym and everything in it is a reflection of, of yourself, you know, in a, in a way it's your style, it's your, it's your, it's how somebody walks in and, 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 and you know, humans, we judge each other. That's just what we do, you know? You walk into a gym and you're like, okay, it's that kind of gym, you know? It's gritty, it's dirty, there's mirrors everywhere, there's big dumbbells, it's a bodybuilder gym, you know? When, when we walk, people walk into to, to this gym here in Ballina, I want them to be able to look at the, the mural on the wall and um, Pavel and Scotty training and the rig and, and recognize exactly what it is, you know? Ah, oh, that kind of gym, even though I'm not quite sure what it all is, you know, and, and the equipment plays a really big role in that, you know, um, and it's eye catching You walk past the gym. And for instance, for me, for me, it's really important that you have a point of difference because you don't want someone walking in your gym and going, ah, oh, oh, it's a CrossFit gym. Oh, it's CrossFit. You guys are doing CrossFit. You're like, actually, no, it's not CrossFit. Oh, but it's, it's like CrossFit. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not CrossFit. You know, oh, it's F45. No, it's not F45. You know, but it's similar to F45. It's like, it no, it's functional. Not F45. Yeah, functional training and stuff. Yeah, you know, and you don't want that. You want people to walk in and go, oh, okay, there's a point of difference here. These guys or girls are doing shit that, that I haven't seen before. Or if they have seen it before, they're like, oh, it's that. You know? Yeah. And that's your style. You know, and equipment's just like fucking jumpers you wear and the shoes you wear. It's your style. And, the way you can uh, express that style is 
not just by the, the the brands and stuff that you buy, but the way you rig it, the way you, you build it, the way you build it. Like for instance, my rig, I'm going to turn it upside down and stick it into the ceiling. I can't afford to do what we did in Botany with the, with the speed rail. It looks fucking amazing and the modularness of it and everything is a huge point of difference. Um, I can't do that here. So I've got a rig that is a CrossFit centric brand, but I'm turning it upside down. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, weld it into the ceiling and then we're going to make all these different um, levels of, of bars and heights and uh, elevation. And uh, the, the, the down poles are going to be black and all the bars are going to be white because the wall is white and the bars are going to disappear in the back wall. And then I'm going to get this fucking, um, I, I got this big iron bathtub that was left at my property because it's too heavy for people to take as more of this rubbish. I'm going to take it, I'm going to string it up into the ceiling above the rig and I'm just going to grow heaps of plants, cut, will fall, float out of that and grow down the, uh, the, the uprights. So when you're looking at the mural of a, this rainforest, which will be black and white, the, these downpipes are just going to look like shaded hanging vines with green growing down it. It's going to be, going to be sick, you know? And and I spend less on this than I would on a standard rig because it's uh, it's there's less of it, you know. Yeah. Fucking hell! Can't wait to get up, mate. It helps to have a vision, doesn't it? This guy. What <laughs> when are you opening, mate? Uh, October. Sorry, November the tenth yes. is a set date. Oh no! Is that right? We've got eight. Eighth is the Monday. Eighth. It's the eighth. Yeah. November the eighth. Soft I, opening. And I can't wait to come and see how you've built the joint. Once a time. Yeah, know, it's going to be fun. See what you end up yeah. with. Cool. I guess going back to, you know, what you mentioned earlier about mulling over se- seemingly easy, like basic decisions like a sign for weeks and whatever. In the past, you would have just run it by us. And, and for the most part, that helps you move faster on things because it's like, what do you think? It sounds like, just do this. Whereas it doesn't, yeah. sometimes it slows it, it down. It slows it down. Like, yeah. easy, right? But, um, but, yeah, <laughs> but for you now, it's like it's all on your shoulders and obviously you're taking certain bits of advice from us, but it's ultimately you. I'm really excited to see what you come up with. Yeah, it's going to be great. And look, even, you know, even the, the, though I'm not here with you guys, I'm like me and Pavo have just been living in each other's pockets and um, I've been leaning on him heavily. Uh, and he is really the voice of reason for me because he's very, very disciplined and he's yeah he's he's like he's a, the perfect uh john paul substitute so um i still have i still have so much help you know i'm just yeah really leaning on on the people around me even up here the plot twist you is know? one day you're sitting down having beers and pavel pulls off the mask and it's paul underneath <laughs> <laughs> impossible style yeah <laughs> Peels off the rig and it's cold. <laughs> I'm really not that strong. Yeah, I was tricking you the whole time. Your path. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's fucking cool. Look, I, I think that's a good place for us to wrap it up. Um, there's a, there's a lot of discussion in there for anyone that's looking to do the thing. If you do want help with it, obviously this is what the Jungle Lines is all about. Come and do it with us if you if you if you vibe with us. Um, on that point, Jungle Alliance now has an official Instagram account. So you can follow it. Please go and follow it. 
it's a very new account. It needs the numbers. And if you want to see what we, what Paul T and myself are doing specifically with this next chapter of the business that we built here in Botany uh, and is now extending to Ballina and hopefully the world, go to at uh, Jungle Alliance on Instagram and you'll, you'll see it there. Like I said, it's young, but give us a bit of props. If this episode resonated with you in any way, please help support the show. Screenshot it, post it on your Instagram story, share it with a friend, just do something. It helps to get it out there and then for us to keep doing the thing. Um, I, I'm, I think there's going to be more follow-ups in this realm where we go into different aspects of building the business. And I think that like T, the journey that you're on right now, building your place is the perfect time to do that because you're just going to be going through these stages for the next five years. Yeah, there was so much yeah. that we could have actually zeroed in on when T was talking, you know, the, the, like the property thing. God, yeah, and working that and out. Spent a whole, spent a whole it's session just on that. Oh, it, we'll be back. Negotiating, Oof. Negotiating. all that stuff. Boys, thank you. I enjoyed that. T Bone, thanks Me for too. tuning in. Thanks, boys. Good to see you, T. You too, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll catch you next week.